Bruins Post Game Podcast time here on WEI.com. We are presented by AT&T. Ken Laird and DJ Bean. Big night for the Boston Bruins. They're on the road at Winnipeg. Response game. At least that's what Jack Edwards and uh, the Brick were trying to sell it as. DJ, 6-2. to two. They separate after a 3-2 lead after two periods. Do you agree? Big time response from the Bees tonight? Eventually. I mean, they did blow two first period leads. I wasn't a huge, huge fan of that. Um... I mean, I, I guess you could definitely say their composure was light years better than it was Tuesday night. Everything, obviously, no matter what, was going to be light years better than Tuesday night. But after that loss and then coming out and giving up two leads, it wouldn't have been a major shock for them to just fall apart. And people would say, okay, they're in this funk and you, you see these two bad losses. But uh, much, much better composure. I mean, it, it helped that the best player on the planet, Conley, was, was chipping in, and, uh, you know, <laughs> he, 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 they don't look back. First three-point night of Brett Conley's career. i got to give him some credit. He was a factor tonight, wasn't he? I mean, that whole line was, was obviously the, the story from start to finish. Yeah, and, I mean, you, you see the chances that Conley gets, and he squanders a lot of them. I, I, I'll make no lie about that, but I, he, he didn't play remarkably different than what he always does. I mean, I, I guess he's a little more active, and I and when the goals and the points begin to come, uh, I guess it's only natural that it comes with confidence, but um, I mean, he didn't luck into any of these uh, assists. He was good on the four check. Uh, you see the, the Martian goal. He he has that nice little pass in the neutral zone. Uh, he, I guess my, my argument, my point is, he has not been dreadful and tonight he wasn't too, too much better than that. He had two assists in 27 games. He, he, yeah. he, was, dre- he was dreadful. Come on, let's, let's be honest. Offensively, the production was woeful. But I'm still, like, watching him, Ken, did, did he look like a much different player tonight than, than what he usually is? Well, actually, I thought he did. I mean, just to see him take it from the corner to the net on what was that, the last uh, Bergeron goal that made it 5-2? Well, to Yeah, and the, the, the puck was on his stick more. Than, than tonight, I'll give you that. That's that's not always a product of, of how the guy's playing, but actually it might be a product of the confidence, given that he's willing to have it on his stick more versus dishing it where maybe he doesn't need to. Yeah, I'll give you that. In fact, you know, talking to him in the locker room after that horrible night he had, uh, what was it, Saturday against the, the Sabres, where he, he had a chance to blow the game open, he missed a half-empty net, he actually stood there and said he felt he was playing a lot better lately, and you know he's, the chances are coming, and so he he seemed confident despite an awful night. And uh, I guess we're going to give him some credit. He's been grinding through some tough times, and good for him. Well, yeah, that that's a good way of putting it. Grinding through tough times. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, when you look at this lineup and you look at how bad the right wings are and the kind of balance you're trying to create, it still remains a no-brainer for Claude to put that guy on. And on the first line, it's crazy as it sounds, just because uh, you don't want to take all of the... You don't want to make it so um, top-heavy that you take Louis Erickson off a wing of a guy like either Krejci or Spooner, or you take Pasternak away from Krejci and, and you have this sort of weird domino effect, and you don't want to play Spooner at right wing. So I think that it's just beneficial for everybody to keep him on that Bergeron line and... He does help those two in some ways. Granted, not even close to how he's expected to. But 
Look at the points the other two are putting up. I don't think it's any coincidence. I don't think that they're doing it completely in spite of him. Fair enough. And and obviously, the, the run that Brad Marchand is on right now is incredible. 26 goal tonight, and he was a major factor on two of the others. Uh, you know, and he, I guess he said something on the radio broadcast between periods about you know, the suspension for the Winter Classic and, and, and I owed the team, basically. I don't know if that has sparked him to a new level, but it sure seems like something has happened. Well, I mean, he, he wasn't happy with that suspension. That's not exactly breaking news. Um, but he didn't, he, he didn't like how long it was keeping him out. He didn't like the, the spot it was putting the team in. And, I mean, I mentioned the, the length of the suspension. He didn't like that, given the... that... Uh, there were all those off days built around the Winter Classic that he was going to be off the ice for, for a long time, a lot longer than you would normally have for a five-game suspension. So uh, he didn't like how that disrupted his season. I think that he was really, really motivated to not let it throw a complete monkey wrench uh, in, in his season because he'd gotten off with a good start, and I think he was on, a, on pace for a career year anyway before that. And then he comes back, and his production slows a little bit, and you think, oh, geez, this is kind of everything he was worried about um, coming to coming to life right now. And uh, and then, I mean, you don't want to say that he flipped a switch or anything, but he got comfortable again. And I, I wrote it, geez, probably a week ago at this point. I mean, we're finding out how high his confidence can get and, and really how high his feeling can be. And... He thinks that he's one of the more skilled guys in the NHL. He doesn't say it too often because he likes to be self-facing and he likes to play up the, the you know, people sleep on us type of thing, the, the old Rodney Harrison card. But he knows that he's one of the more skilled players in the NHL, and I mean, he's showing it right now. Yeah, I agree. Before the season, I asked him whether he thought this team would score enough, and he gave me a little steely glare. I think I think that rubbed him the wrong way. And like, who, who are you talking to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and as you point out on the on the big bad blog at wei.com, he's two away from his career high in goals, and they've got 28 games left. So what a season for Brad Marchand. We, we've got to talk about the fights tonight. Three of them now. It's a game of passion. It's a game of emotion. And when Patrice Bergeron is fighting Blake Wheeler, former Bruin, come on, that is inspiring stuff. Yeah, well, I don't know if I should uh, uh, screw it up. I, 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 this, this is an ironclad, but I heard back in the day that uh, one time Bergeron scored a hat trick, and uh, the, the officials asked uh, Blake Wheeler whether or not he had tipped the third goal, and... Uh, and Wheeler didn't give a convincing enough. It was definitely Bergeron. <laughs> uh, so, so that's what I'm tracing this back to. <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. All these years later, Bergeron is getting his revenge. I mean, who knows if that story is even true or not. But, um, yeah, it's funny to see him drop the gloves. And as usual, extremely concerning to see him drop the gloves. Because, well, I mean, I wrote it yesterday. It's not just that the Bruins play poorly that they'll, they might have to become sellers. If a good enough player gets injured and they might be forced into being sellers. So, I mean, that could have, this season could have taken a very uh, ugly turn if he'd stayed out much longer and uh, he ends up missing the, the shift earlier in the third period but comes back and, and scores that goal. Last but not least, the line uh, juggling before the game, Louis Erickson down on the spooner wing and Bolesky up to the top six. Is it just a matter of trying to balance the scoring a little bit or do you think this is a little LWL, life without Louis projection of uh, what's going to be the future? here in the next week or so? I don't think it's too much LWL. I think it's also the team's not scoring outside of Brad Marchand. So what worked uh, for a long time, Louis Erickson and Ryan Spooner? Uh, granted, 
they were in assignments that who knows, maybe the guys they were playing against because they were so skilled uh, were easier to score against. So maybe that's where some of that offense was coming from. But uh, yeah, I think that it's, it's more trying to get some scoring and seeing what Erickson and Spooner can do versus uh, going the LWL route. Although, you know, as, as the days continue to fall off the calendar, I, I, it's hard to not get the feeling that uh, LWL could be coming at some point. True, although, what, eight, nine games until the trade deadline, and there they are, still in a playoff spot here in, uh, in a bad division amidst a bad conference. So would not want to be Don Sweeney right now. I've said <laughs> it before, and I'll say it again. Not... It's not going to be an easy decision for him to make, and it's also going to be a tough sell if he does indeed choose to, to move Erickson. One thing we were uh, kicking around on Twitter tonight, just to, to tack on here at the end, this is a, I'm sure we could talk for a long time about this, but um, Jack Edwards dropped in the broadcast talking about Tyler Myers of Winnipeg, how when Buffalo traded some of their veterans, his development suffered. Is, is there a thought that maybe Chara and Seidenberg would not be moved to kind of keep them around for the young defensemen that are coming to the pipeline down the road in the next year or two, I guess weighing the value of that before, before, against moving them both. Absolutely. And uh, I, I thought about Seidenberg the other day as it related to trades because he was a guy that we looked at thinking maybe they could move him and uh, a season ago. And now with so many inexperienced guys, I was thinking about that and applying that logic to this season. I, I wouldn't trade Dennis Seidenberg, as, as crazy as that sounds, because you think this team, uh, we're all in agreement, is going to win a cup this year. But I don't want this lineup to be all 100% young guys because you want these defensemen to, you want to develop these defensemen. It's such an important part. But are they going to, are you going to do it if you have literally six young guys in there? If you, if you move Chara, if you move Seidenberg, and Adam McQuaid is showing these kids the ropes. I mean, no, no disrespect intended to Adam McQuaid, but these young players develop by playing with good older players. And some people are going to hear that and scoff that I applied good to Dennis Seidenberg, but I mean experienced, um, serviceable players. That's, that's how you develop, guys, at, at least in my mind. So, yeah, I wouldn't move a guy like Dennis Seidenberg, even though you'd say you'd like to get rid of that contract. I'm with you. And then, then again, I look around at the trade market, and he, I think he will be coveted. Some people you know, make the case, he, maybe they tried last year, there were no takers. But, you know, Dion Phaneuf just got moved, maybe in more of a dump, uh, salary dump. But, like, Chris Russell, who else is out there? People would be interested in Seidenberg this year. Yeah, you know, then I guess, I guess I'll tweak my phrasing after I just spoke for three minutes about it. <laughs> I'll tweak my phrasing to say I wouldn't trade a Dennis Seidenberg if I'm not going to have at least some sort of veteran body there to, to bring a guy along. I think that guys like Char, I mean, Char is valuable because he's still one of the best defensemen in the game, but um, these older guys who have kind of been there before uh, and who can mentor these guys are valuable. Obviously, that's more of Seidenberg's value to this team right now than it would be to another team because Seidenberg might help a real true contender kind of push themselves over the top. Maybe Seidenberg goes somewhere else and plays on a third pairing for a, a deep defensive team, and boom, there you go. you got a guy who's used to playing top pairing in the playoffs, and now he's playing on a third pairing. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd be very, very hesitant to move these older guys unless there's someone else that you're going to bring in that can help with, uh, with, with these younger guys. 
Bruins on to Minnesota on the weekend on Saturday afternoon. They've won three of four and points in four of five all of a sudden. That's DJ Bean. I'm Ken Laird. We're brought to you by AT&T on Bruins Postgame Podcasts.